Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello and welcome back, everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Hi. (laughs) I'm bashful today. We still do not have a little catchphrase because... we don't. I don't know. We had a lot of people send in suggestions and I just haven't used any yet. But you know what? We'll get to it someday. (laughs) I think it's because I still get so nervous every time we first hit the record button and it's like, hi, hi. And then we get into it, you know? (laughs) You're like, hello, my name's Sarah. Hi, I am Sarah. Welcome. What am I doing here? Um, (laughs) Well, before we get into our episode, I just have one quick announcement that we have a new patron over on Patreon, and the patron's name is Jody. Hi, Jody. Hi, Jody, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us over on Patreon. We really appreciate your support. We do. Um, but speaking of Patreon, Sarah. Unless you have any other, are you ready? You ready to just jump in? I think so. I was just going to say one quick thing. Like we just recorded a fun episode over on uh, Patreon, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about what we discussed, but I'm just going to drop the topic as a little teaser. We discussed the weird batshit weirdness. I can't even think of another adjective of munch and mingle. Okay. (laughs) So if you want to listen, you know, come join us over there. It's a, it's a interesting topic, to say the least. Very, very bizarre. Uh, yeah, <laughs> patreon.com slash not so Molly Mormon. Uh, yeah, go check it out. So speaking of Patreon, we have an amazing guest today who is part of the highest level of our Patreon, which is Outer Darkness. Yes. And that patron, our guest today is Chantal. Hi, Chantal. Hello. You're it's so Chantal. happy. We said it correctly because I'm not going to lie. Every time I say your name, I have to be like, Katie, am I pronouncing it correctly? Before the episode started, before you joined the call, I was like, Katie, am I saying it right? Because I want to say Chantel and it's not Chantel. It's Chantal, right? Chantal. Yes. Yeah. It's, hey. actually, it's French. <gasps> oh, there's a good way to remember it. Yeah. <laughs> You're fancy. <laughs> French fancy. You're like, I need a cigarette and be like, it's Chantal. Sarah, you're never going to forget it now. Imagine with a cigarette saying it like that. I know. (laughs) Very ex-Mormon of you. Um, (laughs) So Chantal um, was obviously, um, well, not obviously, but a lot of our guests have uh, been members of the church at one point and aren't anymore. So we wanted Chantal to tell a bit of her story and some of her perspectives and we can discuss. So without further ado, Chantal, where would you like to begin? Um, well, I can just kind of give a quick background of <clears throat> just a little bit, you know, kind of childhood because most of my story I feel like is really like the meat and potatoes of it is when I was an adult versus mm-hmm. more when I was a kid. So I can just quickly, you know, um, my parents are both members they, you know, so I was born a member into the church, basically. Um, we did not ever really live, like, in places that had a lot of Mormons in it. Like, I was born in Texas. And oh, specifically, just about yeah. to ask where you're from. Okay. Texas. I'm from Texas, but, you know, and I live in Texas now. We moved back. We moved to Houston a few years ago. Um, but I never thought I would be back. Like, when yeah. we moved. Um, but we lived in East Texas and East Texas, especially in the eighties, like there were not many Mormons in most of the areas. So 
So I can relate. I feel you. Yeah, not not a lot. Um, We lived there until I was about 10. We moved to California, um, lived in California for a lot of years. And again, the there were more members there and I had a few more Mormon friends, but not a ton. Most of my friends were not Mormon. And then we eventually moved to Idaho, um, just kind of uh, west of Boise area. And that's not like it's not Mormon dominated like some of the areas of like Idaho is. Um, there's definitely more around, but I spent most of my life not having that kind of constant Mormon, like all my friends were Mormon and, you know, yeah. all, the te- all the teachers in school are Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every person you know is Mormon. Right. Like, <laughs> I didn't grow up in that Mormon culture. Um where everybody was Mormon. And then, you know, so as, as I was kind of growing up and sometimes you would hear some of the different things, um, you would really, I would really kind of side eye it just because I was like, um, that just doesn't quite sound right. But, you know, I think for a lot of people, when you're a kid, you hear these things like in Sunday school class and you probably just kind of discard it really quickly. Cause let's be honest, like you are trying just to get home to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so true that that was my only focus (laughs) I was like look I need to get home get some southern cooking because that was definitely a Sunday dinner thing and take my nap yes yes Uh I mean let me let me eat my food let me take my nap like so I think like you would hear things and it would be like okay like this this is odd like this doesn't quite make sense but being a kid like I just didn't really care a whole lot you know and I would just kind of move on like get home eat nap and like move on with my week um and And it probably helped too that it wasn't just constantly around you like you had your friends from either other faiths or just secular friends and you lived in more of a secular society it wasn't just like constantly in your face like 24 7 (laughs) right like your friends aren't sitting there like having like mormon discussions like at school. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who like, didn't even, like they didn't even know like what Mormonism was. Exactly. And you weren't going to class with friends who were like named Moroni or Ammon <laughs> or Lehigh. And I mean, I know I'm going off on a bit of divergent, but I was just chatting with my friend today and he was like, oh my God, you should do an episode on Mormon names because yes. that's crazy. Like, <laughs> Oh, that is a great idea. Writing it down exactly. right now. Spreadsheet in. Okay. Like, look at TikTok because there are, I have seen TikToks of like all the Utah names. Oh, it's the Utah so names. Good. <laughs> Too good. But yeah, but my family was like, you know, growing up, my parents, we were very active. Um, there were a lot of things they were strict with and there were a lot of things they weren't strict with. So it was, it was kind of interesting that dynamic because, you know, they, we did go to church pretty much every Sunday that we were home, but if we were on vacation, we didn't go to church. And I knew, I know lots of people who even on vacation will go to church. Yeah, um, same. Yep. Yep. And, and we weren't like that, you know, and like, we didn't have to stay in our Sunday clothes all day. Like we could watch TV, but my parents would make us wait to watch TV until after church, at least. So mm-hmm. there were some things, you know, things like that. And some of the things though, like my mom was a, wor- is, is a working mom. She's a nurse. Um, and so she, we grew up, you know, with a mom that worked, which in the 80s and 90s, especially in the Mormon community, I don't feel like that was nearly as common. And you were it was very frowned upon. Like my mom will even tell me she remembers hearing those talks like in general conference and in like sacred meetings about like 
working moms. That's the reason the family is being destroyed. <laughs> yeah, right. We just, we just we, did the, the conference weekend and Katie, wasn't yeah. there a talk that was saying that? Well, yeah. And I, what came to mind was the Gordon B. Hinckley on Larry King Live where he literally said like yes. working moms are contributing to like gang violence and shit like that. <laughs> God. Yeah. And I want to sit there and be like, my mom is a nurse. Like she's, she is. Yeah. She's helping society. You asshole. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like let's like take it down 10 notches people. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's some other issues than a mom going to work. That's creating some of your issues that you think there are in life. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But you know, my parents are really good because one thing I didn't feel like I got a lot of um, at home and it's different in the, like when you're at church, but like, I didn't grow up like having like these like dreams of what my wedding was going to be and like all those things. Cause it wasn't really like, that's not how it was talked about in my home, like education and a career, like that was not just like saved for my brother. It wasn't like, Oh, your brother's the one he needs to do all this. Like there was always this expectation of, we want you to go get education. We want you to have like do those things. And so for me, I'm so glad that they were always very supportive of, I didn't care what I said. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I never heard them say something like, uh, that's not going to work if you want to be a mom and a wife. Like they never, never said those kinds of things. Um, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Like education and all that stuff was very important to them because they actually both had working moms themselves. Like my grandmother's we're both working moms, which was very uncommon. So it's very normal in our life to, you know, and our families to have, you know, working women. Um, and they never really brought up marriage either. It wasn't like, oh, you're going to go to school to get your MRS degree and be married <laughs> at 19. <laughs> that's that amazing. So that's fortunate. so, yeah, that's very fortunate. Very, um, I would say not the traditional it's Mormon not. girl experience. Yeah, it's <laughs> not. And probably not living in a highly Utah or Mormon dominated area probably helped with that a little bit, but yeah, you know, but you know, even going through that, even though my parents were not in that kind of, I guess, mind frame, it's still really hard. Like when you have your parents talking like, no, go to church, you know, go to school, get a job, do those things. But then everything you're hearing at church with leaders and stuff is very opposite. It becomes very conflicting too. It's very hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's hard to decide like, well, who's right here? Are my parents right? Or are all these church leaders, right? Like, which one's right here? Who's who's telling me what I should be doing? <laughs> yeah, that's super confusing. And you, yeah, especially when you're young, you probably think like, of course, my parents have my best interest in mind, but the church speaks for God. And which one, right. which one is actually right for me? Yeah. Well, and you're getting it from multiple people. You hear it in general conference. You hear it like in the stance yeah. of meeting. You hear it from leaders and, and teachers and your parents are trying to like give you one thing, but you're getting the constant barrage of an opposite message. And even if your parents are saying something very different, it's really hard to like, as a kid, and you're still trying to figure out what the fuck you're doing, basically. (laughs) It's hard to know, like who's, who's the right person here? (laughs) Oh, for sure. But, you know, I got through high school and went to college at Utah state, which is, you know, not BYU. Um, and I was like, I will not go to BYU because why am I going to go to a school that has more rules when I live away from home than when I actually live at home? <laughs> Girl, I wish I had that thought process before. I, 
was oh. like, if that's, if that's the case, I'll just stay at home and go to community college at home, like where I have yeah. less rule. <laughs> that is such a good point. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like the one, one of the few schools where it imposes more rules on you than your parents did when you were in high school. <laughs> and then you get tested and checked in on like every semester to make sure you're abiding by those rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only rule I had in the dorm, like as far as like, you know, because I my freshman year, I lived in the dorms. Of course, our, they had a, a building for the girls and a building for the guys. The only rule was the opposite sex couldn't sleep. And I'm like, well, if you think about it, if they're sleeping, they're probably doing less things than if they're awake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you would hope. Right. <laughs> that's a good point yeah <laughs> it's probably better if they're sleeping than if they're it's three o'clock in the morning and they're still awake. and they're awake it's like we're not technically sleeping we're soaking okay docking <laughs> <laughs> we're that was so not a thing and I'm so glad it wasn't like I hope I would be like smart enough if that if someone would have presented that to me in college like I hope I would have been smart enough to be like no <laughs> That's not appealing, first of all. <laughs> no. Um, this, sounds, I mean, this sounds fantastic for the man, but what does the women get out of this? <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> I just feel like that is one of those things that still just makes me giggle. Like, how do they get to that point? Like, you're making out, you're whatever, you're Levi loving, and then the guy or the girl is like, you know what? Just put your willy in me and we'll just sit like that. Because, that sounds great. <laughs> because I mean, that's fine for the guy. It doesn't matter for the guy. But I'm like, for a, like for the girl, I'm like, really? Like, what do you get out of that? I know. Nothing. Nothing. I I just feel uncomfortable about the whole scenario. Uncomfortable. <laughs> I like I've told a couple of like of my like my non Mormon friends that I was gonna be doing this, and then I'm I'm gonna get a text message of like, what the fuck is soaking? <laughs> We have a whole episode on it, people. <laughs> You'll wish you never knew. You will wish that you did not ask that question. <laughs> just, just tell them, like, oh, just wait until you hear about earthquaking. Then that's oh, another Lord. good one. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But I actually met, so I met my husband. Um, I did meet him my freshman year, which is so stereotypical. <laughs> <laughs> but I had no intentions of getting married. Like for me, I was like, I did not want to be married until I'm 25 or 26. And so I actually thought he was safe because he was not an active member. He was not going to go on a mission. You know, I had actually sent someone off on a mission my senior year in high school. Oh. Um, so, so I had thought like, I'm like, he's safe. Like we can hang out. And he also told me like almost right away, um, He's from that area and he had plans in the summertime to move to Portland to go to school. And I was like, oh, you're extra safe. <laughs> like, yeah. This this relationship has an expiration date <laughs> because this was like, you know, well before, you know, any kind. I mean, we had our phones and this was a time frame where you waited until 901 so you could, you know, PM so that you could have your unlimited nights and weekends. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> back we didn't have this we didn't have this unlimited shit back then (laughs) oh yes how did I forget about that you would literally wait till 901 and then your little fingers would just start going through those t9 numbers just like yes (laughs) I had like like so yeah there was no like there was no messenger there was no facetime there was none of that and so 
I was like, oh, he is extra safe. He is, I met him like in January or February. He was going to be moving that summer. <laughs> I was like, this, we're, we're good. Like, I like this relationship. Nice. Yeah. You know, He's not so, going to ask you to marry him in like three mm, weeks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which mm-hmm. um, he has a brother who got engaged on a first date. So. <gasps> no. no way. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, that's like the shortest I've heard. <laughs> like they, and you know what? They're, they're not married anymore. They are divorced. Um, shocker. Um, but I, I love his ex-wife. We're still friends. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> because we, anyways, yeah. So they, um, so he, we dated, we did break up like, you know, cause he was moving. Um, and we kind of would chit chat on the phone every once in a while, but I was not really thinking anything serious. And, um, he came home for Christmas, like, I think like a year later, um, and actually he was my knight in shining armor because I got in a, actually a very bad car accident and I had no way to get from Salt Lake up to Logan. My car was, um, it was a complete mess and we were supposed to go on, like go hang out that night. And I called him and I said, I told him what happened. I, it was, there was a bad winter storm in the Salt Lake and in, in the Cache Valley area. Um, and my car had slipped and had gone and hit another car and you know and I was like I have no way to get up like get back and I kid you not and this is he is a wonderful person he like without a hesitation he was like let me call you back in five minutes let me see if I can borrow my sister's like four by four <laughs> he, so him and one of his brothers came and got me that took him forever because they had to drive like so slow because the weather was awful. Well, yeah. And Logan's not that close either. No. And you have to go through like Sardine Canyon. Like it's, I mean, it's treacherous. Mm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And we got back together at that point and did long distance for a long time. And eventually I moved up to Portland. And um, so him and I dated, this is so not typical. We dated off and on for about three years before we got married. Mm-hmm. That's that like a scandalous. century. <laughs> <laughs> you basically had common law. But. <laughs> For real. But, you know, he, we did get married in the temple. We got married in the Logan temple. I'm just going to ask which temple. Okay. Yes. We, we straightened out our lives. And <laughs> 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 we, we did. We went and got married in the temple, but you know, one of the things that I always really struggled with, um, I really struggled with, with never feeling worthy, which is like a very common theme with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even remember like I went, you know, cause you had your, I had my Bishop interview and then I went and had my state presidency interview for my temple recommend. And we were chit chatting and he, you know, he was kind of asking all those typical questions and at the end. He was like, well, I just want to ask again, are you, are you sure there's nothing you need to tell me? And oh. I was like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, my That's God. That's horrible. And he just asked you and not your husband. Yeah, well, and it wasn't. It, it was my own. Um, he, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, Trevin wasn't with me. It was just my own little interview thing. But that haunted me for years. Like, because I was like, because, again, like, this is supposed to be a person of God. Like, yeah what am I missing? Like why? And and it's something I always struggled with. Cause even as a kid, I would struggle with it. Cause I would like see these people that I knew they weren't perfect, but 
these leaders and these teachers, you know, they, they get up and they'd be like, Oh, like I have to repent every day. Like I struggle with all these things. And as a kid, I'd be like, but you seem amazing. Like if you're not worthy, why am I worthy? (laughs) You know? And And so they're questioning your worthiness when you're in this one-on-one interview with them, like essentially insinuating that you might be being deceitful. Like, are you sure you didn't, you know, you want to tell me something? And that's, I feel like that's very damaging. That's probably very like spiritually damaging. I feel like that would give me a lot of um, anxiety. It haunted me. Like I would, like even like going through the temple, like like, that came back through my mind of like, am I even supposed to be here right now? Like, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> oh God. But you know, we went through the temple and I am on with like the same boat as a lot of people. Like I went through and I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, yep. That's is crazy. <laughs> Isn't it bizarre? And then, and then that feeling of what you're just talking about, I'm not feeling worthy enough. Like that's exactly how I felt after the first time I went through, because I remember thinking like, I don't feel the spirit. I don't feel like this is amazing. I feel very uncomfortable. I feel weirded out. Does that mean I'm not worthy? That must mean I'm I'm not worthy enough to be here because I don't feel the spirit. Well, and I think that's a reason why they put you in with your family and this group of people, because it's the herd mentality, right? If mm-hmm. And for you going through the first time when you, when you're seeing everybody else and they all seem okay and nobody else seems weirded out by it, like then there's something wrong with me. It's not anybody else. It's wrong. It's me. (laughs) It still blows my mind to this day. We've heard so many people say nearly those same words you just said, Chantal, about like, Mm -hmm. I felt weird, but everyone around me seemed fine. So I thought I was the one in the wrong. And it's amazing to think that probably most people feel that same way, but then they just talk themselves into thinking it's normal. Yeah, it's, right. Like it's, it's bonkers. Everybody else is doing it. Like <laughs> I should, I need to jump on this bandwagon too. Cause everybody else is, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it's a lot of it too, is like how they present it of it's so secretive and it's so mm-hmm. like, you're not supposed to know anything about it until you go through it. So then in you're told you're not supposed to talk about it, blah, blah. blah. So that's another way of them controlling that scenario and that narrative because mm-hmm. you're not allowed to talk about it. So then even if you wanted to say, Hey, that was really <laughs> weird. I want to talk about it. You're not supposed to Yeah. So keep all those feelings inside and just kind of think like, maybe it's just me. It has to just be me. I'm just right. the, the one who's not worthy for this. Right. Oh, yeah. It's awful. Like, you know, and we went, so both of my, both Trevin and I, we got our endowments out at the same time. Cause you know, he was that rebellious guy and didn't go on a didn't go on a mission (laughs) (laughs) but I will tell you like when I went to Utah State like I became very disenchanted with like that return missionary mentality because I would go to these parties and see these guys that return missionaries like out partying and drinking and then they're blessing the sacrament the next day and so I was like "Mm, I'm not so sure how I feel about that like yep I know a lot of people like that too and then they would but they would judge like the women because you would see the women maybe wearing a short skirt and then they'd be like, Oh, she's not worthy. But then you're like, well, that guy was just out like, you know, partying like crazy last night. And now he's passing this or serving or blessing the sacrament rather. He's probably hung over or still partially drunk. And now he's passing the sacrament. Yeah. But it's fine because you can't see it in his clothing. Like it's it's all fine. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I like became less like concerned about finding a return missionary and finding someone that I, you know, who was a good person. And my husband is a good person. Like he is so thoughtful. Like he is the best dad. (laughs) He is a good person. And so like, and I had people like in the home, like in my parents' ward, like when I got engaged and stuff, I remember one of them was like, well, is he a return missionary? And I said, no. And they're like, oh, you might want to rethink that one. <gasps> Why are you engaged? <laughs> that is like so such, an, that that is such an overstep. It's like, it who, who the hell do you think you are to say that to me? <laughs> you, and they have never even met him before. <laughs> oh, my God. But he was already knocked down on the worthiness peg because he wasn't a return missionary. <laughs> I hate that so, so horrible. What your husband's name is Trevor? Well, it's it's Trevin. He, Trevin. Um, he, I mean, people like at Starbucks, you know, when they write the names, I'm sure they hate us because like <laughs> yeah, Trevis. We, <laughs> neither one of us have an easy name. <laughs> That's if I ever cute. see you guys in person, you're gonna see me like stumbling to say your name every time. I'm like Chantal. <laughs> he goes by Trev most of the time so. okay well I just wanted to say Trev I know you're listening and you're amazing and you should never ever feel like you're not worthy of anything so I'm sure you know that now because you have an amazing wife but I just think you need a little shout out too so, yeah Trev. agreed agreed love you <laughs> cute but you know we got married we um we lived in Portland for a while and we honestly, again, didn't do the traditional Mormon thing. Like we did not have any kids right away. I mean, I, we didn't have our daughter. I didn't have my daughter until like either we were like married, like eight or nine years. See, that really? is also it's so untraditional. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I only have one, which is also very untraditional. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, part of like, and what I think a lot of people didn't understand was, you know, um, we honestly, like, we couldn't afford to have any kids, like, in our early and mid-20s. Like, we had a lot of, we're very millennial. We had a lot of student loan debt. And by the time we were done with paying, like, student loans and our rent and just basic life, life expenses and then tithing on top of it, there was no money. Like, and I would just kind of sit there and be like, you know, cause people would sometimes not a ton, but I did get some comments every once in a while. And I wanted to be like, where's this money going to come from? Like, I don't have a money tree and I can't quit my job to stay home. And I also can't afford to pay for daycare. Like I can't divert, you know, 50% of my income to go to childcare. Like yeah. what, what are we doing here? Like, how is this even going to be a thing? Like, and yep. for a long time, I was actually the one making more money. And so it was just like, well, where is this money going to come from? <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly. so smart of you. I think we hear it over and over again, especially like from talks from leaders. We've pointed out, Sarah and I have pointed out that they they have specifically <laughs> said it doesn't matter. Like, don't put um, paying your bills before having a family. And it's just mm-hmm. mind blowing that they give that advice. And I'm so glad that you waited until you were at a stable position. Cause I think that can be very harmful to people, not only with the debt, but just like emotionally and with their relationships and everything, if they jump into it too quickly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's, that's the thing. Like, and I really feel like once I had her though, like this is when like, I really started to have like, 
a shift in my thinking about the church. Like I'd always been side eyeing things. Like I'd never agreed with the polygamy stuff. Like the first time I heard that I, somewhere, I think I was in a teenager, I heard about the polygamy thing. And I was like, I just don't understand why this is essential. Like somebody explain this to me and, and nobody ever could. And I'd be, and I would read like that doctrine and covenants portion of it, like where, you know, this command was basically given and, Emma was forced into it. And I was like, why, why is this essential? Like somebody explain this to me. <laughs> like, yeah. Know. I've been saying that for years. Can anyone explain <laughs> that to me? And <laughs> what no is going can. on here? Say, pray. You know, just need to pray. Just pray about it. Like, you know, and that was the thing. And so like, I would have these things like polygamy. I really didn't, ag- I didn't understand the whole, like, the ban on the priesthood with black people. And I was like, uh-huh. and I, and I grew up in that era of, well, it was because those were the fence sitters in the war in heaven. And I would kind of sit there and think about it. And I was like, but especially as a parent, you know, now you think about it. I'm like, if my child was a fence sitter or rebellious or any of these things, if my child came to me and said, I want this, like, I, this is good for my life. And this is a, eternal salvation why as a loving parent, why would I deny that to a child? <laughs> like Such a good point. That is such a good point. Perspective. Regardless like, of what they, they did. Yeah, they always say that Heavenly Father is all loving, but it's very clear that that's not the case in their doctrine. <laughs> and unless and I, you lose your keys. And then unless you're a white girl named McKinsley and you lose your keys <laughs> to your Jetta, then he will help you with whatever you need. Losing your keys to the car that daddy bought you. Yes. <laughs> no, but Chantal, I'm so happy you brought that up because recently I feel like the church has really tried to rewind and basically yes. erase they ever taught that. I, I've yeah. heard so much gaslighting around that. Like, oh no, that was never, that was never a thing. You know, we never taught about the war in heaven and the black skin being a curse. And it's like, yes, yes. You did. Yeah, they were, I was told they were fence sitters and and I would sit there and as a kid, I was like, no, it doesn't really make sense. But then when I think about it as an adult and, and when I became a parent and I would look at my daughter and be like, I don't give a fuck what she did wrong before. If she came to me and was like telling me, you know, about whatever in her life that was great and amazing and she wanted to go forth with it. I mean, if, you know, whatever, why would I say no to that? And what's the point of coming to earth? We're supposed to come to like, receive our eternal salvation but what is the point if you're if you are not even given that opportunity because of the color of your skin like why are they even here then why are they here then exactly what's the point what's the point be cruel and evil if you're just going to give them here and then not give them the same chance as everyone else until 1978 right um i didn't i never understood that and you know but i would i would stuff it down and i would stuff it down But when my daughter was born and she was born in 2013. And so there was a lot going on back then. Like that was when ordained women was a really big thing. Like, that's uh right. And Kate Kelly got excommunicated and John DeLynn got excommunicated. And I knew of John DeLynn, like um, I had listened to a couple of his, I mean, this was like when he first started out kind of thing. This is before podcasts. Like I'd have to like pull it up on my computer and listen listen to him on my computer. (laughs) So I had heard a few of his things and, you know, so I was aware of that. And I remember just like holding this baby and being like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, I don't know if I can pretend that everything's okay and that I buy into all of this because now it's not just about me anymore. Like now it's got to now I've got to make some decisions about what do I want for my daughter? 
you know, yeah. and we yeah. you want to teach the same things, like, right? Stuff that I didn't even necessarily agree with, but was I going to keep on going with it? Like I, those were questions for me. And I told my husband, even when she was a baby, I was like, I don't want her baptized at eight. And he was like, Oh really? Like, you know, he's like, well, how come? And I just kind of said, um, spoiler alert, if you know, this is not kid friendly right here. I was like, if she can still believe in things like Santa Claus and the tooth fairy, how is she able to actually understand what that means? Like if, if you're not mature enough quite yet to understand, if you can still think that Santa Claus is real, the tooth fairy is real, if those things are real, you are not able to actually consent to this. Like it's not. Boom. A- exactly. Yes. Yeah. That gave me goosebumps. I never <laughs> even thought of it that way. And probably because I'm not a mother, but like, <laughs> you just don't, you know, you, you know, eight is young and you know, like how you were as an eight year old kid, mm-hmm. but put it into perspective about the things that you believed in at eight. And then you're trying to make this grown up decision about a religion slash cult. Like, how can you, you just, you're not at the point in your life that you can make a decision like that and to commit. No. Well, we're not asking an eight-year-old to, well, you need to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And then we're going to hold you to it. Like, that's what we're doing with baptism is, well, you agreed to it when you were eight years old. And it's just like, but an eight-year-old doesn't really understand that, you know? And so I had told him, I said, I don't want that. And, you know, I think he was surprised, um, but he was like, that's fine. Like, we don't have to do that. And he's like, we got a long time to figure all this out. <laughs> like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yes. Good response. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, like, she, when she was little, you know, more and more of this kind of really started to come up for me. Like, I was really just having an internal battle. Like, I would go to church and I'd listen to things. And I'm like, I just don't agree with these things. Like, you know, LGBT uh, I know there's extra stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't, the whole, the, the whole, everything with the LGBT community, um, mm-hmm. you know, and we had friends that were gay and I would look at them and be like, these are not terrible people. Like these people are amazing. And we were great friends with them in Denver. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out, like, I couldn't justify what the church was saying about how all these people were awful. And, actually being friends with a, with several and knowing the absolute opposite that all they really wanted in life was the same things. They wanted to have someone to love. They wanted a family and they would just want to live a quiet, peaceful life. Like why should we deny that to them? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I really was struggling with it, but at the same time I had like a newborn baby <laughs> it was, and I was working and you know, and then we um, ended up when she was about a year and a half, that's when we went from, we were living in Denver at the time. Um, and we decided for my husband to accept a new position in Houston. And so we came down to Houston. Um, and I think at that point, like, I really kind of severed a lot because in Denver, I did have a lot of friends that were LDS. It was a bigger part of my life and in my community. Um, and then when we moved to Houston, I just for whatever reason, like I'd go to church. I'm like, I don't really want to be friends with anybody. Here. <laughs> I hear you. That was like when I moved to Chicago, I was just like, I can't do this. I can't. Well, because I knew in my head and, you know, and we kind of talked about this a little bit in my head, I was moving more and more to being mentally out of the church. Yeah. But I was still physically in it. Like I was still there. I was still going through the motions 
but I really mentally more and more was just like, there was less and less I could agree with. There was less and less I could justify in my head. And so I, but I was also not in a position to fully step away from it. Like we were living with family at the time, um, who are very, very active members, um, and going to church with them. And it really was not an option to be like, oh, I want to take a break. <laughs> like, well, that right. sounds so suffocating. Yeah, that yeah. That you just can't get a break from it, even though you're really conflicted in your head. Like completely, again, I can relate to that, like having that confusion and not being, like you said, checked out of it mentally, but physically still going. And I had like a Mormon roommate and was mm-hmm. like very deep, deep relationships and friendships that were Mormon and just being like, I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like I'm suffocating because I can't talk about how I actually feel because mm-hmm. everyone's just going to tell me to shut up and pray. And right. yeah. Well, and then if you actually stop going, the consequences might be really, really intense for some yeah. people, like, especially when it comes to family relationships and that dynamic. And especially like you, Chantal, you're living with like your living situation is yeah. dependent on this. Like, I, like, kind of before we started recording, I was mentioning to you too, but I'll mention it to the listeners too, is that I feel like this has made me aware of how I've been a bit judgmental of people who I've seen like there may be like, yeah, like you said, they're physically in, but mentally out. And in my head, I'm like, well, why don't you just leave, just leave. And I have to check myself and realize there's a vast array of reasons why people can't just leave. Like there's so much nuance to it. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you brought this up because it's a good reminder for me to check that judgment, Katie. Well, (laughs) And for me too, like I, for me, like as I was struggling through a lot of this, it was kind of like, I couldn't answer the question, was the church true or was it not true? Because in reality, we just won't know until we die. Like you can, we can sit here and debate and argue. And I would sit there and listen to people like in fast and testimony meeting. And they'd be like, (laughs) I know, I know. And I'm like, but how do you know? Like, do you know what the definition of, of knowledge is? Like, you could probably say, I feel like it's true, or I feel like, you know, these people are right, but you don't really know. And I was really kind of stuck for a very, very long time in trying to figure out was the church true or not. And that put me in a stuck position for years because I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want to like make this decision to leave and then be like, well, shit, it's all true. (laughs) (laughs) The Mormons were right. Damn it. It's just like South Park said, the Mormons were right. <laughs> oh, geez. But I stayed there for years in this position of like, I would get really frustrated because I was like, I don't know how to move forward from this. Like, I don't know how to take some of these experiences that I have had in my life. I'm not going to say I never had a spiritual experience. So what, how, what do I do with those? Like, what do I do with these experiences where I feel like, yes, they were very spiritual. Like, what do you do with those? You know, like, and also keeping the peace with the family, like both my husband and I have a majority of our family members are very active members. And now at this point, my brother has been inactive for years since basically since he graduated high school, like he's always been active. And then as I was like, kind of making peace with like, I really don't think this is the place for me. Then I found out my sister had gone inactive. Mm. And I was like, well, shit, like, (laughs) 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 I can't, you know, because there's three of us. I have a brother and a sister. And 
I really kind of felt like if I went inactive, I am very protective of my mom. And I felt like this was going to be devastating for her because, you know, she struggled sometimes with that because she worked and, you know, and I can't, I think it was McKay or someone was like, no other success in life can, um, Oh, what is it? Hold on. No other success in life can compensate for failure in the home. Well, who's responsible for the home? The mom. And most people, if you have kids are inactive, that's a failure. That is one of the like hardest things for me is like seeing the heartbreak. And my parents are really amazing and they love me. But I know that when I first started to step away and then eventually left, like, you know that it hurts them because because they're taught, right? That it it's a failure on their part. It's a failure of the eternal family if your child strays away. And I, so I know that feeling of like, you want to protect, you don't want to make your parents feel upset or like they're a failure because they aren't failures. Like they raised right. us well, but yeah, I know that feeling so well. You just feel like, you just feel like you're going to be this huge letdown to them. And even if they're fine, you know, even if they accept it, like, you know, like, and and for my brother, I think my brother probably got the short end of the stick on this. I think they were probably, they probably had a lot more conversations with him about it versus later on with my sister and I, because he was the first one to really step away. And he was mm-hmm. like, as soon as he graduated high school, he was kind of done with it. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah. he didn't want to go on a mission and all those things. And, um, you know, I think he probably got the short end of the stick on it. And I think my sister, I don't know how much, and I really have had kind of a free pass on it. Um, they, we really haven't had much of a discussion about it. Like they know, um, that we're not active. Um, and I've kind of told them like, we can have that conversation, but we really, we really have it. And I don't know if they really want to have that conversation. Cause that's probably very hard, but I would always sit there and be like, I don't want my mom to feel like she failed us because she worked and because we didn't always have family home evening. And because we didn't always, have family prayer and those things. Like I didn't want her to put that on her herself and say, if I would have done better, my kids would still be in the church. And that was oh. very hard for me. Yeah. Your heart. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of people feel that way. I think they think that if they stay in, you know, physically in, but mentally out, they sometimes, sometimes they're worried about the fallout. Sometimes I think they're, they're trying to protect the people that they love because they don't oh, want yeah. personally. Yeah. That is such a good point. Yeah, definitely. But then I think for lots of people, although I'm sure you'll probably get to it, but I can't imagine that being easy, being physically in but mentally out. For me personally, I feel like that would be very mentally tough. It is. And and I can, you know, we um, just, you know, and I can talk a little bit about this. I, you know, a couple of years ago went through a traumatic experience like we had a neighbor who actually has um, some mental health issues. He was diagnosed bipolar and schizophrenic. Um, He actually one evening came and he he thought that I was home alone. I think he watched my husband and the dog leave um, and forced his way into the house. Um, (sighs) It was awful, you know, and, you know, he, he came to the door, he knocked on it. I wasn't really paying attention. And I thought it was just my husband coming back with mail and not able to get the door. And, and I opened the door and he was there and it was like, and this was someone that had been terrorizing the neighborhood, like lots of issues with him. Um, and as soon as I opened the door and saw him, I was like, well, shit. 
And I went to shut the door and I could, and he stuck his hand out and he pushed the door open. He grabbed me. He was screaming at me. He shoved me up against the wall. He tried to hit me. And luckily I was able to get out of the way. Wow. And I kind of went in farther into the house and I wasn't home alone because Taylor Swift was coming into Houston that weekend. And I actually had a, like my brother's then girlfriend wanted to go to the concert. So my brother was there. His girlfriend was there. My sister was there. <laughs> like I had a house full of people actually. Oh, good. Um, and my sister heard the commotion and she ran to the bathroom where my daughter was getting a bath and she shut the door and she locked them in the bathroom. And I'm like, that's terrifying though. Cause she's hearing these screaming and the commotion. And my daughter's mm-hmm. like, what is going on? Like and my daughter, I think was like five at the time. Oh, um, yeah. But my brother actually has um, a first degree black belt and I don't remember which martial art it is, but he stood up and he went after the guy and he was like, get the fuck out of this house, get the fuck out of this house. And the the neighbor guy squared up to fight him and went to fight my brother and my brother was able to fight him off. I think at that point he realized he was in over his head. <laughs> like, yeah. Not the situation he thought he was coming into and he took off and calling 911 and you know, and he was arrested and, and got uh, felony charges for it. But the holy shit, mm-hmm. Chantel, so I'm so intense. I'm so sorry. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh my was, god. It was hard, and it was hard because this wasn't like some random person. Like even though he was in jail, his family lived two doors down, and it was they were not oh. good people. Like not good people. They were messing with our house. Like my daughter, like told us later she like was like hearing people outside her window and hearing tapping oh. on her window like, oh my god it was, it was crazy like but oh. what happened, the aftermath of it was I was struggling with PTSD I was having panic attacks I was having like and I was dealing with the justice system and so I'd have a good day and then like I get a phone call from the DA's office about something and it would just like it would just I would go I would unravel over it like and what I realized though, is I, I went to church, like, you know, but what I was finding, you know, I could like, as time was going on, like a month later, I was like, okay, I could have like a decent week, but I would go to church and it was so draining on me. And it really like actually having a hard time. Like I leave church and I'm tired and I'm angry and I'm cranky. I just can't do it. Like, so I just kind of told my husband at this point, like, and he was very much in the same space. Like he was, physically in, but mentally out, like, but he worked for a company that was, um, had a lot of LDS people. Our Bishop was like his boss's boss. Wow. Like, you know, and that's another factor that, you know, you don't even think of is about like your employment could potentially be affected. Right. Well, especially here in Houston, that's not typical, but this was a very, this company is very LDS based. Mm. Um, so, you know, our, our bishop was his boss's boss. And so I told him, I was like, I can't go. Like, and he's like, okay, that's fine. Like you, you do you. Um, I emailed the bishop and I had told him, I said, Hey, with everything that has happened, I cannot have my callings. Like I need to be released from them. And, you know, thankfully he was like, yep, fine. Like I'll release you immediately from them. Um, and I didn't, I didn't go back after that. Like I thought I would, I was like, I just need a break. But then I think like a year and a half went by and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that finally also oh, is kind of recent. Yeah. Yeah. It was like 2018 ish when that happened. 
Um, oh, shit. Okay. Like, 2018, like, it was, like, October of 2018. So, that's when, yeah, so it's only been a couple of years, like, um, and so when COVID hit, it finally gave my husband that opportunity to, like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and we We've were able a lot to, of these stories that, like, yeah. with COVID, it really helped people to leave the church because they weren't going, so they weren't getting that constant brainwashing or pressure or guilt yeah. and they could actually just step outside the pressures of being at church to realize like okay do I believe in that do I miss this you know is it right. something do I feel like there's something missing in my life no not at all or, you know maybe your life's actually better without it yeah <laughs> maybe like, what you're talking about, like the anxiety and stuff I think yeah. that was the biggest indicator for me when I stopped going was that my anxiety and my stress and all of that significantly reduced. Like I still struggle with it, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But like comparing it to when I had to go to church every Sunday, go to FHE, go to Institute, all those things. Like when that went away, it was like, whew, okay, it's, I can it's breathe. Relieving. Like, and I heard something, you know, I, there's a few other podcasts I listen to. Um, and like I said, you guys are my comfort blanket though. Like I may, oh, I may yeah. go listen to something, but I, I'll come back to you girls. <laughs> <laughs> um like if I'm having a bad day I'm like I just I just gotta listen to my girls (laughs) you know we're here for you anytime (laughs) but um someone had mentioned and I don't remember which podcast I had listened to but they talked about being they were talking about parenting like as a Mormonism and parenting post-Mormonism and she's and she made this comment that I loved that she was like, when you're a parent in the church, you actually have three parents. You have the mom, the dad, and the church. Um, and I like listened to that and I was like, oh my gosh, like you're right. Like it's yeah. almost like having that overbearing parent always breathing down your neck, like always like looking at everything you do. Like you as a parent don't really feel like you actually have a say in how your child is raised. If they're going to be in the church, you will raise them the way the church says to raise them. <laughs> right, right. right. I never thought about, yeah, you don't have any control on how you raise your kids if you raise them in the church. Not, you know, to a certain extent. Like it's, you have to do it as the church teaches you to do it. Right, like you, you get to, like you don't have some of that say. Like you are actually giving the authority of raising your child to the church and to the member, like the leadership of the church, like that's not something that you get to necessarily now people will, people will say, well, you know, my parents do what they want to do and that's fine. But coming back to what we talked about earlier, you are still having a child who like maybe mom and dad are, are open-minded. Maybe they are, you know, teaching other lessons. However, you have got a large looming force on the other side, telling them the exact opposite. And that's very hard. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. So we just, so when COVID hit and we were able to like fully take a break and fully step away, like when they started opening back up, like both Trevor and I like looked at each other. He's like, do you want to go? I'm like, no, he's like, neither do I. (laughs) It was like, no, like this is not something we want to do. And, you know, and we were able to fly under the radar for a long time, but you know, last year was my daughter's eighth birthday. So of course you get those questions are you going to baptize your daughter? And Ugh. just kind of said, no, like, and I told him the same reason. I don't think she's ready to make that decision. I don't think she understands that decision, you know, but that was pretty much the indicator at that point for like my parents and stuff like that. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't think they're going to church anymore. Like, I don't think they're active in that. And, you know, and, and they've been very respectful of it. Like if, if my daughter has spent the night, they're like, you know, they're, they, they don't take her to church. Like, you know, not like I would say like, you know, they're very nice. They're very respectful of it. Like they'll very much say, they'll ask like questions if they're not sure about it, you know, and, and I probably wouldn't have like said no, like had she asked, I'd probably have been like, yeah, that's probably fine for a Sunday if we're out of town. But, you know, they, they're very respectful of those boundaries, which um, has been, has been really amazing for me. That's amazing and really rare to be I was going to say your parents, um, the way that they treat us like you and your, your child is just not that common and right. I would say most religious like if people are quite religious mm-hmm. um usually they're quite domineering about it and want to right. shut it off yeah now I'm sure there's like I'm sure there's disappointment there like because you know there's I think especially when, when you're a true believing Mormon you know you you've been taught that whole life if you're outside the church you could be happy but you can't be truly happy mm. like Mm-hmm. So I think there's probably like, I know there's sadness there, like they're respectful, but I know there's sadness to that as well. Like, um, but for me, when we were able to step away, we could really like look at the consequences of like staying in the church, even though we didn't really believe in it. Like, I felt like I never really, I felt like I had a hard time making friends because I didn't fit in anywhere. Like I didn't fit in at church with like the women who have the five kids and they're at home. And right. you know, I didn't fit in that because I work and I have one child <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah. and I didn't want to sit there and have church discussions at the pool, like on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't want to talk about the Relief Society lesson. No, and- I didn't want to talk about those things. <laughs> You're like, can we just talk about like TV or something? Come on. Right. <laughs> can we talk about something normal? Like, I don't want to talk about these things, but you know, like I we just didn't feel like we really fit in anywhere. You didn't fit in outside of church because you're too churchy for non-church right, people. You're not right. churchy enough for the people who go to church. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and, and that was hard. And you know, and we really struggled with like the toxic culture. Um, which I'd always used to be like, oh, I don't have a problem with the doctrine. It's the culture. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. The culture <laughs> stems from the doctrine. <laughs> yeah. Where, well, where do you think the culture comes from? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, and I would sit there and I really would kind of like ask myself, like sometimes, you know, I, we had a family member and she was having a lot of struggles with health struggles and she'd ask people to fast and, you know, and I would sit there and be like, so I don't quite understand the purpose of prayer and fasting because, if, if it's God's will, isn't he going to do that? Whether we do this or not? Like, I don't, I don't quite understand. (laughs) Oh my God. It's like my, it's like, you're reading my thoughts. It's like, why would a God who really could control this and perform miracles and help you out when you have these health struggles, why would he want me to go hungry for you? Right. Right. And we all know that we're not pleasant when we're hangry. So really, (laughs) why would God want you to be like that? Like if I get cranky, Trev's like, do I need to feed you? I'm like, yes. (laughs) My husband knows to bring snacks. He's like, do we have a snack? Because you were hangry. So I'm like, (laughs) And he knows we're at a really bad place where he's like, well, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know what I want. (laughs) Give me something. (laughs) I'm hungry. And he'll like suggest something. I'm like, no, not that. Like legit, my husband is going out of town this weekend. So he was like, let's go to the grocery store so we can get you 
like stock up the fridge and I was like oh my god it's like you're treating me like a little kid instead of your wife and he's like yes let's make sure you have food before I leave if I go to do like run errands Scott will be like do you have a granola bar And you yeah. want to be like, I'm not two. And then you're like, well, yes, I do. You're have like, one. Actually, yeah, I need to grab one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes we'll be like, like, my daughter's name is Hadley. And I'm like, Hadley, aren't you hungry? Should we start stop at Starbucks and get a little snacky snack? She's like, no, I'm good, mom. I'm like, are you, are you sure? <laughs> and you're like, actually, honey, it's for me. But just say you want something too. <laughs> That's so me. Oh, God. But, you know, like we just really like, and especially this past year, um, for me, we had some family issues come up last year. And I really, at that point, had to make a decision. And I really realized that there are church teachings that are very damaging. And actually, people can try to say that they don't hurt, like, things about like the proclamation to the family and those kinds of things. They say they don't hurt people, but they actually really do. And they do. Yeah. We had some stuff come up last year where I just kind of had to like full, that's why I think I fully decided, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't have to know if the church is true or not. Like that's the wrong question for me to ask. The question I really should have been asking myself was, do I want to be a part of this? You know? Mm -hmm. And, And when I said no, it was the most freeing thing I had ever felt in my life. Like that was actually one of my most spiritual like feelings ever was really being honest and being like, I don't want to be a part of this. Like it's, it is no longer about, is this church true or not? It is the fact that I can't be a part of this. It doesn't fit with my values and the things that I find important. Like we have some wonderful friends and their, their daughter is like little besties with my daughter. And um, her, her dad is transgender and being here in Texas and knowing someone that's transgender, you really get a different side of, wow, like how privileged are we? Like how safe are we? Like how, you know, I can walk down the street and, you know, for the most part like, and not have to worry about things that other people yeah. have to worry about. And I feel like the church missed an opportunity to be like back in the eighties and nineties, they could have just been like, you know what? Maybe we're very different people, but we understand what it's like to be persecuted. We understand to be on the fridge of society, and we're not going to do that to somebody else. But they took the very opposite stance of it, and right. they are awful to that community. And and as we have several friends who are gay, we have two friends who are transgender. It's like that to me. Like I can't stand with that anymore. Like I have to be able to say. I want our communities to be safe for everybody. And I want to be a part of that solution and not a part of something that's actually making that harder to do. Oh, exactly. exactly. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's like, how can you be part of an organization that actively harms people that, especially people you love, but let's just say even just people in our society, right? right. Yeah. Just humans. Like, like people, people deserve to feel safe in their communities and people deserve to, have a family and the people deserve to be able to like live their true self, even if it's different than what the church teaches, mm-hmm. they, they don't have to be someone that actively stands in the way of someone of actually like living their true self. Like if you truly say that God judges all, then let God do that after our life. Like you don't have to do it here on earth. Let God do that. 
Yeah, don't try to control what people can and cannot do. Right. If you really truly think that they have agency, then why are you trying to control laws? Right. Like, <laughs> let yeah. God decide on those things. Like, you don't have to do that on earth. Like, if you're saying that God will judge all, then let him do that at the end. You know, because the people in my life that are um, not tr- like the traditional accepted people that the church wants everybody to be, they are some of the best people in my life. And they have enriched my life like tremendously. Uh-huh. You know, and I have said like long, many years before, I'm like, if if we die, if they say you can be with like your non-Mormon friends who are like different than, you know, white cisgender person, or you can come and be on the church's side, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to the party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to the lower level. <laughs> Let me party, party this out. <laughs> and we all are in outer darkness right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more with that. It's like, yeah, if really, if the Mormon church, what they teach, if that really somehow bizarrely comes true, I'm happy with not being in the celestial kingdom because I don't want to, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be around those people. So. I'm going to go hang out with my friends in the lower levels. We're going to have a lot more fun. (laughs) We'll have cookies to give out to everybody. (laughs) We'll have cookies and coffee, you know? I'm not a coffee coffee drinker. My husband has become a coffee drinker, and I love the smell of it. But I like the taste of it. I can't, like, it's just not my thing. But he's got a Keurig machine now. And, like... He's fancy. <laughs> There's nothing Very more fancy than a cup of coffee and a great coffee poo. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. And, folks, she brought it back to poo. <laughs> it. Always back to the poo, but really, it's so amazing. I'll have, to, I'll have to ask him that. Like, so is this really about the coffee or is this really about what happens after? <laughs> ask him. I guarantee you he's going to be like, it's the coffee poo. It's just <laughs> so great. Maybe it's a bit of both. that's what he tells me because he works from home more often now and he was like there's nothing better in the morning than my cup of coffee taken I take Hadley to he takes Hadley to school he gets his cup of coffee he takes the dog for a walk and he's like I'm ready to go after that (laughs) yes that's the life I'm telling you but I honestly I look at the last couple years for me and I you know one of the biggest things that held me back from like really actually stepping away from the church was like the fear of what happens when you leave. And I have to tell you, like, it's pretty good on the outside. <laughs> Agreed. I agree with you. Like, I'm, I'm so happy. It's good for you too, because some <laughs> people go through some struggles at the beginning, you know, some, yeah. some feelings and depression and stuff. But, you know, I agree with you that I think once you work through it and honestly, I'm still working through it and I probably right. will be working through all that for forever but it's so much better now than being in for me well and I and I think about all the things I told us like you're gonna lose everything and you know all of these things are gonna happen I actually want to be like no actually we actually can now afford a house where when we were paying tithing we could not afford like that's a big reason we had to leave Denver was because it got too expensive oh yeah put money down on a house because you know, the money we were paying in tithing was basically the money that would have been going into savings. Like, so yes, we had, like, we had enough. Like, that's what they say. You'll always have enough. We had enough, but we could actually not like function. Like, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't move ahead in our life. And so now that we don't do that anymore, I'm like, Oh, we actually have a little house now. (laughs) You can have your, your money. You get to keep your money and you get an extra day on the weekend. Love my second Saturday. (laughs) Oh, it's, 
so amazing. It's I... amazing. <laughs> you know, and we no longer have that. Like I no longer have as a parent, like I no longer feel like I have this oppressive, like presence, like always checking in on me. Like mm-hmm. it's still hard because now we're having to figure out boundaries and that's hard. Um, because before there were no boundaries. You just, you just didn't do those things. Like, but now right. we actually have to, like, we do have to talk about boundaries and figure out what our actual values are. And that part is a little bit harder, but like through and through, like when I kind of look at it, I'm like, I feel so much better as a parent because I'm actually trying to parent the way I want to parent, not how I'm being told to parent. And that's a, for me, that is humongous. Like, that's what I really was struggling with as an adult when I had a child, like, I don't know how to parent because I, this doesn't feel right to me. Oh yeah. I'm sure that's huge. I can't, I mean, I can't even imagine. It's like, oh yeah. That conflict there of what you really want to teach your kid versus what the church is teaching. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you're like sticking around because you are worried about that fear and worried about what happens, like everybody's story is different, but I know a lot of people who live full happy lives that do not have the church and it's happiness it's not the fake happiness they tell you like (laughs) they're actually happy people (laughs) (laughs) I think all three of us are examples and basically all of our guests are examples of you can really 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 be happy like truly happy outside of the church you're not you're not gonna it's not like you're not gonna like have your marriage fall apart like sometimes that still happens but there's no guarantee that wouldn't happen if you would have stayed in the church like mm-hmm. your kids right, may right. your your kids may struggle with things but there's no guarantee that was going to be any different if they were in the church like there is no guarantee you can live a life and do it right you can marry the return missionary you can get married in the temple you can have your kids you can do those things and you can still have shit happen to you. Like it's, mm-hmm. you, it happens inside the church. It happens outside the church. So it's no guarantee that just because you do it the way they say you're going to like, just the way that they say that you're going to have this perfect life. Like it's shit. Happens so true. No matter what. So I true. mean, that's just life. And it's not you being cursed. You know, that was something right. I struggled with for a long time mm-hmm. and still have moments of it where it pops up. But where I think like, oh shit, this really horrible thing happened. It must be because celestial Jesus CJ is cursing me <laughs> that's not the case like that's just no. called life like, it just happens it just happens. Yep. yep oh my god Chantal your story is amazing and I truly think that it's very inspiring to people to see like look look what you can do and look how much happier you can become and you don't need the church for this like this you have, you have your own for. voice, like you have your voice, like you, you have your own authority and you may have, may not know that it's there because it's never had to be there, but you, you can be like the master of your own life. You don't have to have someone else do it for you. Oh my God. I love that so much. Mm. And I think it's also a story that so many listeners who are married and have a kid or kids will relate to as well, because that's something that like, Katie and I, we don't have kids right now. And like, I can't imagine being in the church and still contemplating whether or not I want to leave, but then also bringing a human into this world and being like, how do I want to raise them? Do, do I want to have control? Like I want to be able to, to raise them on my personal beliefs and the church doesn't align with that and how right. I want my kid to, to have their own way of thinking and not be told this is how you have to see the world and this right. is how you have to function. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you get to decide the values and you get to decide what's important in your family, not somebody else, not some crusty old 98 year old man. Like you get <laughs> not to decide. Mr. Burns, <laughs> not Mr. Burns. 
excited. Not him. Yeah. <laughs> As it should be. Right. <laughs> oh, dang. Well, we're, we've reached the time limit. I wish we hadn't because this flew by and I just want to keep really talking did. forever. <laughs> we'll do another one. <laughs> yes, we'll have to have you back. And just thank you so much for coming on and, and telling everything and being so vulnerable and sharing your story with us. Yeah, well, I'm happy to do it. And I just love you ladies and, you know, I'm happy to support you guys and, you know, I can't wait to hear your future episodes and all those, all the fun things you probably have in, you know, in store. Oh, Oh, we got stuff coming. I know. It's it's really like, just to hear the fact that like you, you know, relate to our podcast in a way that it's, it's comforting to you, but then also like we truly are so flattered and grateful for your support. Like you are in outer darkness. Yes. Like, yeah. That's so amazing to us. And it's you and all of our other patrons that keep the podcast going and like your story as well. The fact that you wanted to come on the show, but you were not only just wanted to come on the show, but it was that you wanted to share your story. That's going to help so many people. Yeah. Um, even if it's just relating or, you know, sparking curiosity or whatever, it's going to help people. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, just listening to your whole story, it's it's made me think of completely different perspectives that I never thought about before and also added that extra level of validation of like, right, this is why we left the church. This uh-huh. is why we went through that painful trans, you know, transition of leaving a, a full time organization slash cult slash religion. Like this <laughs> is why we went through that pain and that yeah. like confusion and anxiety and depression, all those things because we needed to come on the other side to have happiness and be our true selves. Like that's what every one of us wants yeah. at the end of the day is to have control of our own lives. We went through a lot of shit to come out clean on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And to have coffee poos. And to have coffee poos. We went through a lot of coffee shit. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy I could be here. And, you know, it's been it's been awesome to talk to you, ladies. Oh, thank you. We are honored to have you on the show. So thank you very much. Thank you. And thank all of you listeners. Uh, We love you all, too. And we'll be back next week with some more for you. Bye. 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 Bye.